Welcome to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Here are your hosts, Joe and Kendall. You know, you're now listening to, to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM, Michigan's number one student audio broadcast, <laughs> at least for collegiate students. And you know, Joe, we we really contributed to that. We got to go to a Red Wings game last night, actually, I, you because know what? of that fact. Everyone is talking about, you know, Radio Free Hillsdale, Radio Free Hillsdale, ha- how happy they are about that. Mm-hmm. Frankly, I think that we are owed a debt of gratitude for, really are. you know, carrying Radio Free Hillsdale, arguably, <laughs> to that, those heights. I mean, look. I'm just saying Radio Free Hillsdale had no award before Elephants in the Room, and now all of a sudden, the year that they get Elephants in the Room, the wonderful voice of Kendall and Joe, uh, they all of a sudden are, are of, of some sort of notoriety. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely no coincidence to that. Absolutely not. The station of the year is actually determined by the studio that, um, or the station that wins the most awards for each individual show, of which Elephants in the Room won none. But we still contributed, I think. <laughs> Um, but anyways, we're back again this week, joined by Mr. Jason Liu. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello. Um, we've got some, he- uh, uh, to start with, uh, a bit of a heavier topic, as I'm sure you've heard. There was a, another school shooting, unfortunately, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we've also got news about stuff going down in Israel. And then we'll round out with um, some interesting developments in the geopolitical world of China and Russia. So yeah, um, Monday, there were unfortunately three students, um, all who were nine years old, and three staff that were killed in a Christian private school in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, The shooter was shot and killed by police that arrived on the scene. A little bit of information about the shooter was a 28-year-old trans individual that was a former student with detailed maps of the school. Um, According to CNN, the shooter was under care for an emotional disorder and had legally bought seven firearms that were hidden at home. Supposedly, the shooter left the home, left home that morning um, with a red bag. The, the parents who they lived with asked what was in it, and the shooter dismissed them and left um, with no protest from the parents. Earlier this month, Tennessee passed a ban on gender-affirming care for minors, um, which, has a lo- which led the left to cause quite an outrage. Um, since the shooting, reporter Benjamin Ryan tweeted, um, he since deleted the tweet, but he said, NBC has ID'd the Nashville school shooter um, who identifies as transgender and had no previous criminal record. Nashville is home to the Daily Wire, a hub of anti-trans activity, um, and then tags Matt Walsh, Ben Shapiro, and Michael Knowles. So essentially tying those three, um, you know, honestly fairly moderate right-wing individuals and blaming them for the shooting, essentially. Um, we've also seen repeated cries of a transgenocide by the left-wing media or, um, or a need for a trans day of reckoning since um, this ten- Tennessee ban on gender care. Um, and even since the shooting, there's been lots of left-wing sen- sentiment online um, saying things like, I don't condone, condone the actions, but I understand. Um, oh, my gosh. Or, or that this is what Tennessee gets for passing their bill. Not, that one's not as, quite, uh, as common, albeit, but um, still something you're seeing, which is really tragic. I mean... I hate to say it, but as soon as a shooting like this happens, people jump on it for politics immediately. And I'm not even saying just just the left. Sometimes, depending on the, the issues, sometimes the right can do it too with any issue, whether that's a shooting or not. Um, but just the over-politicization of three kids and three adults, three teachers being shot is really disgusting. And, you know, every single time this happens, immediately cries for gun control. Um, 
particularly recently, you've seen a lot of people posting about the fact that firearms are one of the top causes of death for children. But what most of them don't point out that um, at least in 2020, which is the most recent data available, 54% of all gun-related deaths in the U.S. were suicides, and that comes from the CDC. So is there a major issue in this country? Yes. Is the issue guns? Uh, It seems pretty clearly that mental health is a big deal. I mean, you take away all these guns and what you just have all of these people who maybe would have committed mass shootings if if they didn't have the guns. But now they're just going to be well, perfectly fine. It's very interesting that, like, you know, after after these tragedies like that, you know, this could be a school shooting or just any mass shooting that gets any sort of news attention at all. You, you, like you said, many people on the left are quick to point out gun control. Many people on the right rebuff that, saying, no, it's not the guns, it's the people. You know, that's why we need some sort of mental health uh Uh, recognition in this country and like with this one it's really interesting because like you know you can't really take any any sort of an angle on this if you're the left it's like you know you can either say gun control but this was some sort of as some people are saying this like retributive act to the uh, Tennessee with Tennessee's passing their Mm -hmm. their anti-trans legislation and then you admit that oh well okay well obviously you know something something mental some mental health thing is going on here so like i i think that that's kind of why you're seeing very much either i i've i've seen two sides on the like two radical responses to this from many people who would be the usual ones to respond to school shootings mm-hmm. like either complete silence because you know it, it really doesn't fit with the narrative or mm-hmm. you know complete like radical like like you were saying, uh, some people saying that this was a, a retributive act or actually, you know, it's trans people who are the victims. I find mm-hmm. it interesting, too, that, like, there was never any uh, solidarity by any of your mainstream corporations that uh, that typically stand with uh, a lot of the social issues, the hot topic social issues in the country. The police chief uh, went on record saying uh, the morning that this happened uh, that they had reason to believe that this was a targeted attack. So I didn't hear you say that again, sir. Believe that how she identifies is has any motive for targeting the school? Uh, we can give you that at a later time. There is uh, some theory to that. We're investigating all the leads, and once we know exactly, we'll let you know. So was this a targeted attack? It was. Uh, you know, it was done at a Christian school for a reason. A school you know, that the the shooter at one point went to had right. detailed maps of. And like, we're not talking about how like that was very blatantly a targeted attacked it's definitely something that is uh very very confusing for a lot of people who stick to these narratives to figure out how they're going to respond to Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you've been listening to elephants in the room on radio free hillsdale 101.7 fm where your hosts kendall and joe joined again by jason lou we're going to transition from that heavier topic topic to something a little bit lighter joe i believe you've got some information about the ongoing news in israel yeah so uh we have uh, for the fa- past uh, few weeks in Israel, uh, there, it has been burdened with civil unrest, which has now ballooned in uh, the last couple of days into a major political crisis. Uh, you know, for any who don't know, for weeks, protesters have taken to the streets to oppose the government's plan to overhaul judicial rules. Uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's party claimed that the country's judiciary has granted itself uh, increasing authority over the past couple of years uh, and is no longer representative to the diversity of the Israeli population. Um, So the proposed judicial uh, changes would include changing the actual makeup of the nine-member committee who makes up the uh, selection process for the judges on the court, 
Um, and this would partially be accomplished through basically giving government uh, full control of appointing judges uh, and the next president to the court, uh, which yeah, basically is accomplished through uh, granting representatives and appointees of the government an automatic majority when selecting judges. Um, and it also seeks to curb the Supreme Court's alleged overreach by drastically restricting its ability to strike down laws that it deems unconstitutional. Critics of the overhaul are saying that it would place unchecked power in the hands of the current government, uh, so Netanyahu's party. Um, and many are going to f as far to say that Netanyahu, who himself is currently standing trial for corruption charges, uh, may be trying to use this to uh, ext extricate himself from his legal troubles. Um, so we have all of that as a background, um, and uh, finally, more more recent and more recent events unrest intensified on Sunday after Netanyahu fired his defense minister after he had criticized the plan for causing turmoil even within the military. Um, so this led to a nationwide work stoppage, uh, which brought many services in the country to a halt. Israel's largest trade union, which had previously tried to stay out of the fray. Uh, now called for a general strike on Monday. Uh, the heads of Israel's leading universities collectively agreed to, uh, to suspend all teaching on their campuses. And, you know, perhaps even worse, some military leaders uh, say that they fear being given illegal military orders if the Supreme Court lacks the power to scrutinize the government. Uh, and uh, they fear that uh, because of this change, uh, they fear that they may be charged in international courts for said actions. Uh, if the Israeli justice system is perceived to be too weak by the international community. So Netanyahu, uh, I guess, finally announced a delay in the judicial legislation to allow the, for negotiations and a positive compromise between his ruling coalition and the opposition parties. In his address, Netanyahu cited King Solomon and the wisdom of splitting the baby in two and said he wanted to avoid splitting the nation in two. When there's an opportunity to avoid civil war through dialogue, I, as prime minister, am taking a time for dialogue. I give a real opportunity for a real dialogue. We insist on the need to bring about the necessary corrections in the legal system, and we're given an opportunity to achieve a broad consensus. This is a very worthy goal. After the address, Israeli President Isaac Herzog asked Netanyahu and opposition leaders Benny Gantz and Yair Lapid to work together to find a compromise. They agreed. A lot of crazy things going on there. Um, frankly, I know if I was in some legal trouble, I, I would definitely be trying to uh, fire, uh, fire fire the, uh, the, 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 the current legal establishment in my country. But, mm -hmm. you know, Netanyahu is definitely, uh, definitely taking some initiative, I'd say, on that, <laughs> on that front. You've been listening to Elephants in the Room at Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. We're your hosts, Kendall and Joe, joined by Jason Liu. Last on the docket today, we've got some information about um, some relationships forming between Russia and China. Jason, it seems like you know a little bit about that. Is that right? Why is that, Kendall? <laughs> why is that, Kendall? <laughs> because he researched it. That's oh, why. Yeah. In fact, I do know something about this. <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, according to some analysts... We may, we may be witnessing the end of the petrodollar system, um, the, the system put in place, um, the relationship between the U.S. and several oil-producing countries in the Middle East. Um, and it may be the biggest shift in um, the geopolitical financial world since the end of the Bretton Woods system in 1973. So what's really going on here? Um, it turns out that Saudi Arabia and Iran are both um, forming 
strong relations with the BRICS countries, which is um, Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, and shifting away from um, the U.S. Now, this is pretty significant because Saudi Arabia has been a U.S. ally since the Gulf War, and they've been a consistent partner in building up um, the U.S. dollar being the world's global currency. And now they're starting to trade oil. As a matter of fact, 20% of the world's crude oil is being traded in the Chinese yuan as opposed to the U.S. dollar. And so the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia announced two separate deals that would result in it supplying China with as much as 690,000 barrels of oil per day, um, paid for by the yuan. And they're doing this because China has been buying up the world's gold currencies for the last couple of years. And so now um, the yuan is can be backed by actual physical gold. And so China right now is swooping in at a time when U.S.-Saudi relations are weakening um, to build strong ties financially and diplomatically with the kingdom. And yeah, this is pretty bad for the U.S. because we've enjoyed a huge amount of benefits, actually, both um, U.S. citizens and U.S. government um, through this relationship by having the by having the uh, world's currency uh, being the U.S. dollar. Um, and this whole system could be threatened by the fact that China is now swooping in and not only mediating deals between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which have traditionally been mm-hmm. strict rivals and opponents, mm-hmm. um, but building an entire financial system based on the yuan that excludes the U.S. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when, you know, Trump was in office and he was building relationships like that in the Middle East, uh, facilitating different <laughs> countries to basically say, OK, we may not like Israel, but we hate Iran a lot more. So we'll um, we'll do this. And now. Um, you know, he's out of the picture, but don't worry because the Chinese are going to take care of it and we have nothing to worry about with them. I don't know that anybody's heard the news, oh, that the U.S. dollar may not be the world's currency and been like, oh, cool, okay. Well, believe it or not, uh, actually, Russian president, enemy number one, wrong side of history, if you guys don't know, okay? (laughs) I just want to throw that out there. Um, Putin, a few days ago, criticized the uh, U.S. for restricting the use of their dollar, citing this as the reasons that Uh, Like you said, Jason, many countries were beginning to do business in the yuan. Um, He said, quote, by limiting the use of the dollar based on uh, momentary situational considerations of political nature, uh, largely associated with uh, the current uh, Ukrainian war going right now and our uh, sort of uh, position of moral virtue in opposing the evil empire of Russia and their imperialist uh, aims, uh, he went on to say they are harming themselves, uh, and we might even add they shoot themselves in the foot. Uh, I, I'd love to hear that translated in Russian. And, uh, but, uh, no, he said, uh, quote, we would use the dollar, but they don't let us. Uh, how can we make payments in a currency that is acceptable to our partners? Uh, the one is the one that these currencies, especially since it is used by uh, the International Monetary Fund, mm-hmm. um, uh, do you? Uh, he said, "Quote: uh, Do you know that the Middle East oil-producing countries have announced that they want to use the yuan for settlements? Uh, we have uh, gradually been expanding this, and will be expanding the use of the reliable currencies." Mm-hmm. Uh, end quote. So you know, basically, President Putin is, is I, I would argue, is very much spot on with this. I mean, we're we're doing this to ourselves. It, it very much seems to be this coalition of the dollar rejects that are go- getting. Uh, a, forming together, not not because they hate the U.S., not because they want to subvert the economy, but because the, they're doing this out of necessity, because we are actively participate, or we are actively trying to not allow them to participate mm-hmm. in the global economy. 
And, you know, basically uh, we're, we're doing this through the manipulation of our own fiat currency. And now they're coming in with this, uh, this new uh, currency that they're allowed to use, that they can do business in, mm-hmm. that much of the rest of the world is able to do business in because it's not restrictive. And now they're going to be backing this currency on solid, physical, tangible assets that, mm-hmm. you know, are not going to fluctuate as much as our fiat-based currency does. Like, it's going to very soon not be a, I would say, uh, a competitor to the U.S. dollar, but the preferable alternative. And I mean, like, like within, like, the next mm-hmm. couple of months, it's going to be like that. And I mean, all this for what? Just just over a year ago when stuff hit the fan with um, Ukraine and the U.S. says, oh, oh, we're going to we're going to punish Russia. We're going to restrict the use of the dollar. U.S. companies were um, like, I think, credit card companies were saying, oh, we're no longer going to MasterCard and Visa. We're not going to let you use us in in Russia. All of it for what? Did it stop? The the argument was that, oh, well, they they can't invade Ukraine, which um Okay, if that's what you believe, how does how does that help? How does well, any of this that, help? That too was like, you know, how did that make us look? Because we pressured mm-hmm. these companies, MasterCard and Visa, to mm-hmm. freeze personal accounts in Russia because they lived in Russia. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make us look like the good guys, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the, the conflict in Ukraine, uh, recent, recently uh, the DOD spokesperson, Kirby, um, said that the war in Ukraine um, is just a taxpayer-funded war. So we've got that audio clip here. It is important to remember, I would add just one last point. It is a war. And we all want to have as much oversight and accountability as possible. Of course we do. It's taxpayer-funded equipment and systems that are going to Ukraine. But it is a war. Um, and real people are fighting, and real people are dying. Um, and in battle, you can't predict every single the, the, the perfect secure movement of every single item uh, that every single sol- soldier takes into the fight with him or her. Yeah, so definitely um, like just a clear admittance right there that, yeah, we have uh, assets involved in the war. Like we're I mean, no one was no one was explicitly saying it quite yet. But I mean, mm-hmm. that was just an explicit admission of our uh, interests in Ukraine, that we are a proxy factor in Ukraine. And, you know, I think ultimately, though, this is going to be very huge, especially in our our dealings with uh, the Philippines, with uh, the Pacific. I know, uh, Jason, some of this stuff, I I think, ties back to uh, our previous conversation with uh, currency, especially as as it goes to our relations in in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how is the U.S. responding to, I guess, all these geopolitical changes and the fact that it's being left out of the world's new um, established order? Mm -hmm. Well, responding militarily by asking for more money from U.S. taxpayers <laughs> to build more bases across the Asia-Pacific um, instead of negotiating or attempting to, I guess, end our non-involvement with this new system. We are building four new bases um, in the Philippines and asking for an increase in our, mil- in our military budget yet again. Um, yeah, this will be the largest ever um, request for money for um, the, the Pacific Deterrence Initiative, a 40% increase, which represents $9.1 billion dollars. Um, which will fund a stronger, a quote-unquote, stronger force posture, better defenses for Hawaii and Guam, and deeper cooperation with allies and partners there. So, I mean, I mean, we just said it as part of the Ukraine mm-hmm. thing. I mean, we're responding militarily to a situation that will, you know, that, that should be more of a diplomatic one, mm-hmm. um, more of an economic one. Yeah, exactly. And even if this, um, as we talked about, China and Russia's relationship seems to be growing, which... Um, could spell trouble for the U.S. in the future. Um, and even if this escalates to the point where military involvement um, becomes necessary, or at least more justified, 
Um, wouldn't it sure be nice if we spent what the set was at 1.40 billion? I think it up to 90 billion or something on the money that we sent to Ukraine for what? I mean, what did it do? Wouldn't it be nice if some of that money could go to you know actually protecting the U.S. were if this were to escalate again? I'm not saying that I think that military solution is the way, but <laughs> if that's if that's what the U.S. is taking as our solution, it sure would be nice if we you know didn't just waste. Ukraine. Well, you've been listening to Elephants in the Room on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We're your award-winning hosts, Kendall and Joe. And by award-winning, I mean we got to go to a Red Wings game because the station won an award. Not because we helped at all, but, but you know, we were still there. We're, we're in some of the pictures, I think. Joined again by Jason Liu. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, I'm very glad to be here. You know, Joe, it's really becoming a bit of a... Um, a reoccurring theme that the guests that we bring on know more about some of these topics than we do, which makes our job a lot easier. Yeah, definitely. Um, but but we can't let all of them know that. So, Jason, why don't you keep that quiet? <laughs> oh, um, it's okay. You can always find our God, show at elephantsintheroom.transistor.fm. Um, you can find both this episode and, and every episode we've done before. And hopefully, if you tune back in next week and, you know, the show keeps going on with our minimal viewer count... Um, three. It's up, it's up to five right here. Oh, whoa. I'll yeah. get my mom on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways, we hope that you tune back in for next week's episode. This has been Elephants in the Room.